So we are continuing our journey um, through our summer season, Heroes of the Bible. Um, Just to remind you, last week we heard about Caleb, last uh, Sunday morning, and we're in this period between Joshua and the kings. So the people of Israel have come out of Egypt, Um, they've wandered around the desert, Joshua has led them into the promised land, uh, and they have settled there. And as we heard last week, not many, well in fact none of the people that uh, originally were in Egypt are now settled by this period in the promised land. And you'd think they would remember God, you would think they would remember all the good things that he has done for them, but the people of Israel are a forgetful people, (laughs) and uh, they struggle to remember all of the many good things that God has done. So this is where we are, we were just after Caleb, we're just after Joshua, and we are about to embark on the next part of our heroic journey. So, Amy's going to help me with the reading, and our reading is taken from Judges 3, should appear on the screen, great. So today we continue our series on Heroes of the Bible with a reading from Judges 3, verses 12 to 31. It is the story of Ehud and Shamgar. Ehud and Watgar? And Shamgar. Ewan Hugar? Ehud and Shamgar. Goodness, I sat through a sermon on Caleb last week. I thought that was obscure. So, are these actual people? Where in the Bible do you get? Did you say the story was? Yes, Ehud and Shamgar. They're actual people. You can find the story in Judges 3, verses 12 to 31. But now you come to mention it, they are pretty obscure, and the story is pretty strange. So maybe we could jazz it up a bit. Could we do like a musical? Could there be singing and dancing and... Yeah, perhaps a bit much for a Sunday morning on such short notice. Let me have a quick look through the story. Oh, ah, yuck. Oh dear. What's the matter? Well, it's a bit gross for this early on a Sunday morning and some of the kids are still in. Oh, goodness, how are we going to tackle this? Hmm, yes, I see what you mean. Ooh, I've got it. We can tell the story in the style of horrible histories, but we're going to need some help. Great, let's do it. So we're going to need some help, we're going to need some volunteers, we're going to need volunteers of various shapes and sizes uh, to help us tell this story. So let's have a look. Who are we going to need? We're going to need a king. We need quite a a large man, tall, (laughs) large Man, anyone know any large... Ryan, Ryan, fantastic. Okay. Let me see. Could you just stand at the front, Ryan? Could you give us a 12? I I don't think... Hang on a minute. I don't think Ryan's quite large enough. Oh, he's going... Around the middle. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Can can you reach that? Amy might need to help. Can we... Can we just make it a bit larger? It's fine. Is that all right? Yeah. Hang on. Okay, great. So he's large. Let's let's not forget who he is. Okay, marvellous. Kingly accoutrements. Maybe maybe a cloak. Lovely. And obviously, (coughs) stolen by myself yesterday, the official... 
crown of Eglon. Marvellous, okay? We've got a king. Marvellous. Who else do we need? Uh, we need some Ammonites and some Amalekites, but probably one of each would do. Anybody fancy there's, there's, there's an Amalekite? Yeah, great. We've got a volunteer. Any, anyone else? There's less silly dressing up for this bit. And Miriam, marvellous. Any preference as to which way round? There we are, Anya. You can be in a Melakite. Miriam. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Oh, dear. And you can be an Ammonite. Fantastic. Great. Um, let's have a look. Oh, actually, I've forgotten somebody. The king's going to need some servants. We need a couple of servants for the king. Anyone? Anyone feel the need to be a king's servant? Yep, great. Fantastic. Maybe, maybe um, could our Ammonite come over here with our Amalekite? That'd be great. Servants. There's one servant. Figure out what to do with that. And another servant. Marvellous. If you could just stand either side of your king, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Right, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're nearly ready for this story. What else? Ah, oh, there's Ehud. Now, we need a volunteer for Ehud. He needs to be heroic. He needs a confident speaking voice, and the ability to play a trumpet would be a distinct <laughs> advantage. So if there was anybody who had a trumpet, who maybe had been only slightly set up beforehand, now's the moment. Fantastic. <laughs> Okay, so Ehud, you get a costume as well. There we are. Marvellous. If you'd just like to go forward. Great. Okay. Um, you might just want to put your trumpet down for a moment. I'm sorry, this is going to be warm. You're going to just need that. And you're going to need to put that around the middle so that you've got somewhere to put a sword in a moment. Okay. Uh, now's your chance right okay so while uh, while Ehud sorts out his cloak Ehud will need a heroic friend anyone feel that they are this is your last opportunity by the way this is the final part anyone feel called to be Ehud's heroic friend anyone we need Effie we do no Oh, have we got one coming? Oh, Effie! Oh, perfect. Ehud's heroic friend. Okay, well, while Effie comes down... Um, now, the other main part in this story is the people of Israel. So that's all of you lot that think you haven't volunteered for anything. I am now commissioning you to be the people of Israel, okay? Great. So we'll wait for Effie to come. So um, perhaps all our, all our uh, cast... Could come and take a seat. If you could save me that one, that would be helpful. If all our cast could come and take a seat. Ehud's heroic friend. Perfect. There we are. Marvellous. That's great. Fantastic. Right. Hmm. That's all the people. What about the set? A set. Hmm. Well, we're going to need... There's a few key places that we're going to need. We're going to need the city of palms. Okay, that's over here. There we yep. The city of palms. And the idols of Gilgal can be over there. 
We looked this up. It's a pile of stones, ladies and gentlemen. If you're wondering what the picture is, the idols at Gilgal is a pile of stones. Okay. And if my Ammonite could just stand up a minute, I'm going to steal your chair. Sorry. Because there's also the king's throne room. Okay, so we've got our imagination, everybody. We ready? City of Palms, the king's throne room. The idols of Gilgal fallen down already. Unreliable idols. There we go. Marvellous. I think we're set. I think we are. And now it's time for our Bible reading. Today, continuing our series on heroes of the Bible with a reading from Judges, chapter 3, verses 12 to 31. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Don't we need a bit more audience participation? Yes. Let's try that again. And this time, audience, people of Israel, your parts are in bold on the screen. And the rest of you need to pay attention, and hopefully you can figure out what you need to do as we go along, okay? Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Come round the front, there we are. Take a seat on the throne. Fantastic. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him. Eglon came and attacked Israel. (laughs) And they took possession of the city of Palms. So the king, you can stay there, but maybe the Amalekites and the Amalekites could come over here. Take possession of the city of Palms. Fantastic. King's servants, come on, come and be a bit more attentive to your king. That would be marvellous. Perfect. And the Israelites were subject to King of Eglon, to Eglon, King of Moab, for 18 years. Come on, people of Israel, look a bit more subjected. Thank you. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Oh, I know how this bit goes. I've seen it a hundred times. It's in all the best stories and Disney films. This is the bit where the odds seem overwhelming and the princess cries out. They they need need a a hero. hero. A left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. Oh, hey, Ehud, show us your muscles. (laughs) Very heroic. (laughs) Very heroic. The The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Hey, wait, what's a tribute? It's kind of like a present, so you get to hold, hold that. Okay, um, hang on a second though. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh Just under his clothing. Yeah. Stick it in the belt. <laughs> Marvellous. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. <laughs> After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. Ready, Eglon, this is the next bit's you. 
The king said to his attendants, Leave us. And they all left. (laughs) That's it, you can go all the way off the stage, that's fine, your work here is done, marvellous. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. If you have a delicate disposition, I suggest you look away for this next bit. Ehud, pay attention, here's your big moment, the rest of you can join in with the words in bold on the screen. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Ouch! Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed over it. Wow, horrible histories were certainly the right genre choice for this story. What happened next? Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. I need that. That's it. Off you go that way. Marvellous. I think think you guys as well, you could maybe just exit that way. Marvellous. Okay, so Ehud, you need to head out to the back of the church. And in this next bit, we're going to need some great acting skills from the king's servants who were sent away, and they might be coming back now. Are you ready? After he had gone, the servants came and found the upper doors of the room locked. So just pause there. Imagine a door locked. Perfect. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors, they took a key and unlocked them. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. There they saw their lord fall onto the floor, dead. (laughs) (laughs) While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sira. And when he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hills. And the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. You don't all have to go. It's fine. We're kind of already there. Ehud, your words for this next bit are on the screen. He ordered. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the fords of Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong, and not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. Wow, incredible victory for the people of Israel. They didn't look that impressed by it, though. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. did brilliantly, everybody. You could sit down now. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Well done. Good story. Uh, fantastic. Really, really good. That went a whole lot better than I could have ever hoped. Right, good. But is that it? What do you mean? I thought it was pretty impressive. It had everything. Drama, spies, murder, gross detail, even a trumpet. Yeah, I still can't help feeling there's something important missing. I've got it. We only heard about Ehud. What about Shamgar? Ah, yes. There's another verse. Look, here, verse 31. 
After Ehud came, Shabgar, son of Anther, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, he too saved Israel. I think if I was Shamgar, I'd feel pretty put out by that. Taking out 600 Philistines with an ox goad, whatever that is, and one measly verse. Never mind. What does this, any of this mean for us? Thankfully, we didn't get that bit of the service. We've just had to tell the story. John will come and explain it all to us in a minute, right after we sing this next song. <laughs> so... Oh my goodness, the story of Ehud and Shamgar in an all-age service. What a marvellous thing to behold. So um, while John gathers his thoughts about what on earth that all means for us and gives us a, a, a quick pointers. So what can we say about this um, amazing, awful, bloody, smelly, horrible story? Um, there's a little bit of, of context to set around this story. Um, you see, where we were in the Old Testament is we know, and we've been kind of working through it, we've had the, we've had the deliverance uh, from Egypt. We've had, the, we've had the travel across the desert. But we're in a time when things are developing. And how the people interact with God is it's not all kind of written down in the way we now have the Old Testament. It was a kind of developmental relationship. It's really quite interesting. But there's an interesting verse um, which I, I like to refer to when, um, when you've got one of the particularly bloody and violent bits um, of the Old Testament to deal with. And this is it from Genesis 3.15. Um, and this is after Adam and Eve have sinned and God is um, placing a curse on the serpent, on Satan. And he says this, God told the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed beyond all wild animals, all cattle and wild animals. And I realise I've only got half the verse, hang on. Oh, here we go. Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals to sink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head and you'll wound his heel. So what on earth did that mean? What on earth did that mean? And that, I think, men in this, and, and it shows a little bit in this story, that there is a war going on because even at that point when God is judging Adam and Eve for what they've done, he's saying, actually, there's somebody coming. And the, the kind of jokes of, we need a hero. Actually, even when God is punishing us, he's also saying, but Jesus is coming. There's going to be uh, a war but there's going to be a victor in that war. And the offspring of the woman, Jesus, was going, is going to be the one who is going to come and save the people, even in this judgment. So there wasn't much prophecy up until our story. There was a few little hints about Jesus. Um, but if you look at the, um, the deliverance from Egypt, we know now that the Passover lamb that was sacrificed is probably the kind of biggest indicator that there's going to be a sacrifice. There's going to be something happening which deals with our sin. And then as we come right through, through the Old Testament, through all these judges and even further on, there is this principle of heroes in the Bible, isn't there? The, great, the hero is raised up. And all of the heroes tell us a little bit about the hero with a big capital H, the hero who is coming. 
So Ehud and Shamgar are heroes, small h, um, and they show us a little bit about the hero, big H, who is coming. So that's my, that's my context. That's my um, kind of scene setting. That this is a battle that we're in. And people ask, well, why is the Old Testament so kind of murdery? You know, um, it really is, isn't it? And that is because of this fight. Because there is a spiritual battle going on between the, the people and, and Satan. The, Satan is fighting to destroy Israel because he knows that from this group of people there is going to come the hero with the big H, the, uh, the, the hero of the peace, and he will strike down that snake. So we're looking to that. That's why this is important. That's why it's important that all these people get slaughtered and murdered and all this happens because there is a fight it's like a fight for us. Um, so that's why, uh, that's why it's always like this. That's why it's always, and they rode out against whichever lot it was this time, you know, and, and God delivered them every time. That's the context, because it's this kind of existential struggle for God's promise to be fulfilled. So that is my context, and I hope the understanding of that will help us when we look particularly at this passage. So we've got a couple of things to know. And the first is that the people called to God. They called to God, and as we've said, we've picked up the verse from Romans. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this particular text picks up in various other places as well. It's in, um, it's in Acts 2.21 those who call out to ask for help will be saved. But that, again, is a quote from Joel 2, 32. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this idea is so well emphasised that even those of us who are a bit dim, a bit like the people of Israel, um, you know, and very forgetful, will get it. Um, it's repeated so many times. It, it, it repeats in all the stories right the way through the Old Testament and comes right in to the New Testament. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how does this salvation come? We've looked at Jesus, the hero, the hero who is coming. And of course, all of these stories point to Jesus. They all say there's a hero coming, a big H hero, who is going to, uh, to save the day. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quote from a song. A mighty good hero is on the way. He's the only one going to come and save the day. Bit of um, audio adrenaline. That's, uh, we like a bit of that. Um, but it is, isn't it? That is the, you know, why is it? Why is it? We've had, the, we've had the bit from the kind of various Disneys. Why is it that that is always the story? And it's because that is the story. The story is we're broken. We're up against it. We're really, really in trouble and we're looking out for a hero, just like Bonnie Tyler says. Uh, looking out for a hero. And we are looking for this, this hero to save us. And thank God he provided that hero in Jesus Christ. That amazing, awesome hero. But my second point, really, my first is, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. My second point, though, is be ready because... We are called to do the things that Jesus did, aren't we? So if Jesus is going to be a hero, then maybe there's a call for us to be a hero from time to time. 
You know, sometimes we're kind of minding our own business um, and we find ourselves in a situation where we're the one who has to help. Yeah? I, do, I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, when Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan, um, I mean, I know it's a story, but if you imagine, was, you know, was that Samaritan thinking, well, uh, I really hope I see someone I can help today, or did he just come across someone and, and, and get on with it? Because he's the hero. You know, people often say, people who do heroic things often say, um, well, I'm not really a hero, I was just the one who was there. You know, it was just me. Um, and have you, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you look round and there's nobody there? <laughs> and you think, oh, it must be me. <laughs> um, that is what God is calling us to. God's calling us to be those heroes. But interestingly, from the story, um, being a left-hander would be considered quite, um, quite bad for, uh, for a military hero in the, in the time of sword fighting, uh, which was very much the time we were in. But what's interesting about this is Ehud, he, uh, he uses, or God manages to use, what is considered a weakness. You see, because he was left-handed, he would have had his sword in his right, and the, the story makes great detail of that, and he's made a small sword, so he's got prepared as well. Uh, interesting point to note. Um, so they would have generally gone for the left because that's where everyone would keep their sword. So if, you, if you've ever been searched, ever been to kind of Gatwick or whatever, you know, and had that kind of generally in, the, in, the, in this period, if you're looking for a sword, you'd be looking on the left because then you, you grab it like that uh, in your right hand, right-handed like me. Um, but it was an advantage. So his, his thing that was considered a military weakness, he used as an advantage. And isn't that, looking at all the heroes of the Bible, isn't that what God does? Doesn't he take hold of the weak? Take hold of the, the things that look kind of unusual or, oh, no, that person couldn't be a hero. You know, he always, he always picks the, the heroes who've got the weakness. Um, and isn't it God's character that he does amazing things with the weak? Or, um, as it says, he uses the vain and foolish things to confound the wisdom of the wise. So God uses uh, people and things which appear weak or which have weaknesses. Um, and don't we have weaknesses? Anyone got a weakness? Yeah, I've got quite a few, yes. Um, and also with Shamgar, we are going to talk about Shamgar. I did find some information um, on that one verse. Um, Shamgar was an outsider. So the, the implication of the name is that he wasn't one of the people of Israel. He may well have been one of the people from the kind of surrounding tribes. So he was, um, uh, that's the idea, that's the people who analyse the kind of text and the name. So he was an outsider, but he was a hero too. And God uses those things, uses those skills we have too. Now, I'm thinking that Ehud was a bit sneaky. You know, that, I mean, being a bit sneaky, um, that's okay. Um, apparently, because the story says it. Um, and you may, um, you may know that I preached about a year ago about um, uh, being all things to all people uh, and, and that kind of, kind of being a little bit, a bit clever with the way, the way you talk about God, the way you present, the way you draw people in. That's kind of what the big summer is. That's not really a great secret, is it? Um, the big summer is, come join us. Uh, we're, we're not weirdos. We're quite normal. Um, come, and, come and get used to the idea of being in church. Just enough that when then we can start having the conversations um, about Jesus with you. 
Also Ehud. Ehud uses strategy. Uh, strategy is good. Uh, we would call this a decapitation strategy, wouldn't we? Now, in the, in the modern military approach, and um, this is what they attempted um, with Saddam Hussein, not very successfully, um, but this, a decapitation. You take the leader out, and then you, you come in militarily with your, with your weight of force. Um, and strategy is good. That's, that's why we've got 60 roads. That's the strategy. Strategy is good. It's good to have thought about things. It's good to have made a plan. But interestingly, the very next verse from uh, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved is this. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear about it, hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? So as soon as we're talking about those who call on the name of the Lord can be saved, then the next verse is, and who's going to tell them? And who's going to tell them? Are we going to wait for someone else to come? Wait for Michael to come and fix all our evangelism issues? I don't think so. Uh, We're going to be those people to be those people who are the ones who tell of the story of that people can be saved. To tell people that, that can be saved. And we're not just talking about the speaking, are we? We're talking about preaching the gospel uh, with the things that we do. Preaching the gospel with our good neighbouring. Preaching the gospel with our things that happen in the street. That is what God is calling us to do. Preaching the gospel by using the things that came to hand. That's what Shamgar did, didn't he? Now, do you know why he had an ox goad for a weapon? I've done my research, you see. Apparently, and it, 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 it crops up later in, um, in Samuel, the, 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 the Moabites, I think it was, uh, were pretty good at controlling the supply of weapons. So they would, they would, um, they would kind of uh, get rid of all the blacksmiths and then they would try and control things. So essentially, Shamgar may not have had a sword. But he had an ox goad, which is a, a really long pole with a spike on the end. Um, and you use it for kind of goading your ox or making your ox move forward. So he just used the things that came to hand um, to, be a, to be a hero. And I think that, that's, a, that's something that we need to do. We need to use the things that are familiar, that come to hand. Not, not kind of create an amazing scheme where we have to, you know go and develop an amazing kind of uh, external strategy or an external system. The things that come to hand are the weapons that we can use for this, uh, this business of being heroic. And just a few other points. So we've said it's not just, um, not just about the, the, the spoken preaching, um, and, and trust me to emphasise that because that's my favourite bit. Um, I have to emphasise the bits that aren't my favourite bits as well. The good neighbouring, the, the being there for people, the loving people. You know, how much can you preach the gospel just by loving someone? How much can you be a hero by being in the right place and giving a word of love to someone when it's required? Listening to the Holy Spirit and speaking what's required. Now sometimes, as we know from this story, this may get messy. Okay, If you want this to be tidy, if you want this to be polite and respectable, uh, that may not happen. 
um, because this story got messy. Uh, it got bloody um, and plenty of other bodily bits as well. Uh, it got stinky. Sometimes that is the case. Sometimes the business of saving lives gets very, very sticky and unpleasant. Um, and uh, I, that's something I know about professionally um, and uh, have dealt with um, one or two very fat people as well. And be prepared for that. Be prepared that it's going to get messy. But know that not, if we are being heroes, we are also plugged in to the power of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with us in that. So when it gets difficult, when it gets messy, when it gets a bit gross and smelly, we need to know that God is with us, calling us to be those heroes, calling us to be the heroes that point to the hero with a big H. And also, just my kind of last little point is, how about being a praying hero? The praying heroes are some of the best and some of the least uh, recognised. When we run alphas time after time after time, people make reference to, I had a Sunday school teacher, I had a granny, I had somebody in my life who we know as Christians is clearly praying and still is. If you pick, on, if you pick up and pray for people, the Lord will save them. It may take all of their lifetime and possibly all of your lifetime as it has in some cases, but it also may come quickly. But that commitment to pray will make you an absolute hero, uh, doing the things which you can do and using the things which come to hand. Amen. I think I'll pray as well now, and then, uh, and then we'll finish. Lord God, we thank you that we've got these amazing stories, amazing stories of people who took initiatives, who were bold, who were courageous, but like us, were just people using what came to hand. We thank you for that. And we pray now that you would empower us and make us bold in your spirit to be heroic, to love heroically, to pray heroically, to preach heroically. We thank you that we're here because you saved us. We thank you for what you've given us and we pray that you will be with us as you promised to the end of the age. Amen.